Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. There is a word especially for you. Good morning. My name is Gray Bun, and I am 11 years old. You're listening to Free on the Inside, my papa, Diggy Joe Lewis. Well, hello. Welcome once again to our weekly internet broadcast. I'm your host, Brother Joe Lewis, and you are listening to Free on the Inside, an internet program to inform you about what's going on, to encourage you to get involved. We bring artists and and writers and playwriters and singers and musicians and all sorts of people on this internet program to let you know that you're not alone in doing what you're doing. Our show is set up for our young people to encourage them that God have great things in store for them, to let them know that God had forgot about them. But we bring mature people on here that went through some things, but yet, but yet not afraid to share a day life experience to someone else that may encourage them. And I'm happy to keep uh, following that format this morning with our guest that's coming on this morning. She's going to share some things with us that dear to her heart. Matter of fact, she wrote it down in a book, in a poetry, a set of poetry. And, but we're going to break her on here shortly. But we'd like to say hello to our, uh, our sponsor of this program, Beverly Beatley over at Granny's Place. GP Ministry sponsor this program each and every week. We'd like to say hello to the men that are uh, down at the Hutchinson Jail Unit of Corrections uh, facility here in Dallas, Texas. We do a weekly Bible study down there with our young men. We like to encourage them to keep on keeping on, and also to our juvenile uh, men and women that we go out with on a weekly basis. We have an outing today at one of our Dallas facilities for our juvenile to encourage them that God loved them, that God loved them, that God loved them, and there's nothing they could do about it. But without, without any further delay, we'd like to bring on our guest this morning, uh, Ms. Vera. She wrote a couple of uh, books. matter of fact, she wrote three books, great novels, and we're going to bring her on here, and she's going to share her experiences and and, uh, and what she's attempting to accomplish in her novels and her book of poetry. Good morning. You're on the net. Oh, good morning. Welcome to our show, Vera. We're happy to have you aboard, and please introduce yourself and tell us about your writing and your, your book of poetry. Yes, sir. Well, Brother Lewis, uh, my name is Vera Squire, and I'm the author of Souls of Soul of Inspiration, Black Gumbo, The Healing of a City in Ruins, August 29, 2005, and a soft story about Eve, It Was Not an Apple. Well, in those books, there are two of my books, all poetry books, that's Soul to Soul and also Black Gumbo, and... Um, it was written in 2005 and published in 2006. And the second book was written in 2007 but was published in 2009. And the third was published in 2012. So I'm excited hey. about this book. Hey, man, that sounds great. Now tell us, what's the inspiration behind this, these soul-to-soul inspirational writings? How did that come about? It came about after the devastation of the hurricane. Uh, after that day, I was moved to write the story. It just affected me just that much. 
And I just wanted to write down um, my feelings and also others, how the way they were affected by the hurricane. Now, the hurricane that you're talking about is the one in New Orleans, right? Oh, yes, so sir. Sorry. Yeah, go go right ahead. Tell me what life was like for you before a couple of days before the hurricane and then uh, during the encounter of the hurricane and, and afterwards. Okay, life was like uh, for me before the hurricane. I was working uh, two jobs, and it's, I'm not bragging, but I was working, and I had one that was working in a deli, and um, this was, you know, and on the weekend I did the CNA work at a nursing home. And it just was um, pleasant, and I was paying my bills. Everything was okay until one day this happened, and I, I just it's unbelievable. My life just took on a dramatic change, and I lost everything. And it just was mind-boggling, but it was an effect on my life as well. And as you were saying, you lost everything. You know, your faith was the one that kicked in to hold you during this uh, terrible time or ordeal in your life. If it wasn't for God on my side, I don't know where I would be. And uh, I, 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 I had enough. I, I just don't know. If I wouldn't have had God, I don't think I would have made it. It, it was the faith and the holding to Jesus, leaning on his everlasting arm that kept me standing and kept me firm. You're uh, 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 Bill, now, when did you find out that you had the skill of writing in your life? Because we're going to go back and we want you to share some of your writing with us. But what was the earliest age that you said, hey, I enjoy this and I, you know, and I really enjoy what I'm doing? You know, um, Brother Lewis, it was ironic. Uh, when I was a little child, I picked up a book and my mother had it, and it was um, by Langston. And um, ever since I wrote, I, I, I had... I had um, heard his, I mean, say this one, I read his one, and I said, and I said, this sounds good. And then I, I started reading after that a lot of points. But it didn't kick in until the age of 17 when I just really loved poetry writing. I just loved writing poems. And I think that's where my inspiration came for after the school and everything. But I really, really did more deeper into um, writing poems. I just love it. What do you get your inspiration from as you write your poetry? I know we get it from a lot of sources, but for our listening audience, how would you develop a poetry of sense? Believe it or not, Proverbs, the Bible. I, I, and, and I'm not saying it to make myself even suffer. I'm more than anyone. It's just like I just love the Bible, but I love Proverbs. And ever since then, I just love the, that type of wording and how the way it worded and this. Because from there, I just love writing poetry. Most of my poetry consists of spiritual poetry and spiritual poems, and that's where I get my inspiration from the Bible. Hey, man, that is so great. And we know, Rena, I ask you that because our young people, that they struggle with their career and, they, and, uh, and trying to find their self-worth in life. We want them to know that God could use them. Right where they are with the writing and the songs and the things that they have learned uh, throughout their brief life and how the, uh, their goals, you know, the things they pursue. The world tries to try to point you in one direction, but God has a, a greater plan for you. Yes, and it, and then that's where it came from. And for the for us to be encouraged, I encourage all young people as well as old to just get out there, find your dreams, follow your hearts of hearts and dig deep into what your talent is and share it with the world because 
it may have an impact on a lot of people. You never know. Yes, it will. Yes, and and tell me now about your uh, book, uh, your first book here. So, so how many pieces of poetry are you having that you think? Just right off the top of your head. Seventy-six. Oh, <laughs> it, it, well, that's great to say your order. You know what you got there. <laughs> hey, that's great. I'm looking at your cover now. It's a beautiful cover there. And you know, I'm looking at the cover. It kind of relaxes you. You know, it's kind of like oh, could you could you in a good frame of mind? So yeah. that yeah. was. Now, now, how did you, uh, what did you do to develop your talent? Did you go to school or just a God gift? It's a God gift. That's great. That's great because we know that, you know, and, and God fine-tunes things too, but basically it's a God gift. I'm glad you shared that with us because some people need to know this. Say, oh, I, I don't have a proper education. Well, guess what? None of us have that proper education to do some of the things that we're doing, you know. We just have to be doing it, but God blesses it, you know, if it be his will. Uh-huh. And that's what our show is all about. Now, uh, will you please continue to share your inspirational writings with us regarding uh, Black Gumbo? Okay, now, Black Gumbo, now, this particular book, um, I told you, it's a long title. I say Black Gumbo, The Healing of a City in Ruins, August 29, 2005. Um, this book was published, just like I said, in 2009 by Publish America. In fact, all three of my books are published by Publish America. It's a book of poetry also, and it shows the different ways the hurricanes took the city by storm, uh, literally. You know, this book of poetry stands on hope as well, and the hope of the healing process that is still going on today. Um, this book opens up with my view of New Orleans, and the next page consists of, of the views of Hurricane Katrina. And um, if I would like to, if you don't mind, I would like to read part of what I said about the book of Things um, Like Gumbo about the hurricane. Go right ahead. Okay, it is. In this um, book of poems, you will read how the devastation impacted the hurricane has took upon the city. Although it's not their first or our first, devastating hurricane because in 1965 there was a hurricane called Bessie. It's too weak habit on the city but not to this caliber, only to a certain degree. Because Hurricane Bessie was a Category 3 hurricane. I explained it all in the book. But in this book, Black Gumbo, every page tells the story of how the hurricane affected our lives. Amen, amen. That's that's powerful. Now, tell me now. Uh, you, now you're in Dallas, Texas, right now, right? Yes, brother. Now, are you planning on going back to New Orleans and uh, uh, the stay, or do you go back to New Orleans from time to time? What is your uh, connection with New Orleans? Do you still have that connection? Yes, I had um, went back to New Orleans in um, 2010. I went there, stayed for about nine months. I stayed to see how everything was, you know, and this is my family because some of my people are still back there. And um, I just stayed for a while, but I enjoyed, well, I've seen some of the things that rebuilt and it's much better than what it was. And um, like the Joy Theater is up and running. The French Quarters, the people are coming back to New Orleans to visit. Got lots of tourists. And things are kind of looking up. And I, I commend them on a fantastic job because, you have to keep rebuilding. You know, you just can't let everything just die down and let it go away. 
And this is Halloween we love New Orleans. And I think, yeah, I'll come back, you know, visit from time to time. I just, I love New Orleans, but I'm here in Dallas, and I, I'm loving Texas right now. I'm sorry, but I'm loving Texas. Hey, man. Now, I'll tell you what, now, would you care to share some of your poetry regarding your uh, soul to soul inspirational writing? I think our audience would love to hear a couple of pieces of that if you have a desire to share with us. Okay, one, um, the first poem, uh, it's about life after Hurricane Katrina. This is from the book, Soul to Soul of Inspiration. It goes like this. Life is life. Sunrise is sunset. When you wake up in the morning, you still don't know the fullness of the whole day. You might think you're in control of it all or know it all, but all in all, there is someone who made us all and knows all about it. Reach out and touch him? No, not with your hands, only with your heart. Because with a thick and thin of life, and a soul is chapter that takes its soul on the back-breaking, mind-bending work that shows only on the sweat of our brow, collectively, is automatically skipped over to a man who holds the whole in the palm of his hand. Yes, go right ahead. Oh, that's beautiful, Lara. Can you want me to do one more? Yes, ma'am, please do. Okay, this one is called Hurricane Katrina and her twin sister Rita. <laughs> okay, go right ahead. The year 2005 came in with its hard-hitting blows and its catastrophic woes that took our lives that were once on a steady floor. I know that's the way life goes when you're looking up and down instead of straight ahead. But head on, they came in like tons of leaders, packing waves and tossing them down at our feet that dampened our spirits but not our hope. Because now we look beyond the sky to rebuild our lives from the rubble that was once towed up from the flow up. And this case, we are to embrace the vigilant array of sunlight that darkened black skies. But in the year of 2005, I always remember the devastating blows of Hurricane Katrina and her twin sister Rita. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. And we'll just like to take a break here and just uh, inform our audience on what we're doing here. So just hold on for just a, a moment as we make this feel break here. Good morning. My name is Gray Bun, and I am 11 years old. You're listening to Free on the Inside, my papa, Diggy Joe Lewis. And you are listening to the inspirational poetry of Vera uh, one of her books, uh, Soul of Soul, Inspirational Writing. And also she have another book that she's sharing with us, uh, Black Gumbo, uh, the uh, story of, new, uh, of the hurricane in New Orleans. And we would like for you to join in on the, in the conversation. You can call us at one three one zero nine eight two forty one twenty six. Again, that number is one 
310-982-4126. It's a toll-free number, and you too could join in the conversation. I also uh, ask our author, author some questions, and also being, uh, encourage our author to keep doing what she does because, you know, uh, her gift is just not for her, but it's for all the listeners, and we thank her for sharing her gift into, with us. And as we get back into the conversation, please feel free to give us a call, and as we talking, we'll see you on the switchboard, and uh, we'll just uh, allow our author to finish that uh expressing her thoughts, and then we'll bring you right in. Now, Miss Vera, uh-huh. as you were sharing that right there, I had a sense of, of awakening that I was almost there in the midst of what you was writing. You have a very vivid way of expressing yourself through writing, and I yeah. know that other people have been listening and they are being blessed by your poetic thoughts as you put them on paper. Well, thank you. Now, now tell me, uh, uh, as you was writing the book, how difficult was it? Was it a challenge to get your books published? Because sometimes people say, I, I, I want to do this, but I don't know how. Let me tell you what happened, Brother Lewis. Then I was, um, during the time of the hurricane, we all had to go to the FEMA building. You know, New Orleans, we had to venture out, and, and they told us we need to go to the FEMA building and get some assistance or no, but we have to live, you know, for these until it's time to get back on our feet. And it, I talked to a lady um, at the FEMA building, and I said, do you want to read some of my poems I've written? I said, it was after the hurricane, I've written some of these poems. And um, she said, sure. And um, she read it, and she said, I got something for you. And she gave me a... a Publisher name called Publisher America. He um, took it off the computer and um, online, I guess, and just printed out, gave it to me. She said, you have enough points, submit a manuscript to them after you get it copyrighted and take it from there and see if they like your points. And I only had 15 points at the time. And I, I said, and it, it took like a few months. I just didn't know nothing now. After that, I said, I'm going to see what, you know, see what, what's going to be what. And after about three months or so, they wrote me back and they said, write more poems. We like what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's powerful. And nobody but God. Oh, yes. And uh, after that, I wrote more poems. And they said, in order for it to be a book, you need poems. <laughs> There's 50 or more, 30, 50 or more, write some poems. And I wrote some poems and wrote more poems. And they said, we like it. Here's the contract. We're going to do this book. And it said, sounds good, you know, take it from there. And these people are free free publishers. It's not something you pay a whole lot of money to get published, because I know some people do, do that, but they submit your manuscript, you know, free. And you just go ahead on, write what you have to write, and, and, and send it in. And that's one of them that I know is free. But I had more than them, you know. I had Dorian published also. And Dorian said, oh, yeah, $5,000. I mean, it's good. I said, well, I have $5,000, so I'm going to go Republic America. <laughs> Oh, that's a blessing. And, you know, and you were sharing that story that, you know, you could see God's hand at work in that. You know, mm-hmm. because here you are, you just writing from your heart, and and you've been able to bless someone, and they see that, and God is leading you in the way you could go. Because some people, like I said, they they have this 
this this writing or these skills or what have you, and they just don't have a an avenue for it. But God knows what's best for us. To me, you write down what's your experience and what's in your heart, you know, that affects you in life, period. Just sit down, start writing, and you never know where it's going to take you. And you're so right there. Now, on, on your books there, uh, where do you uh, see yourself going when you're writing? Because we know that you do have a vision and you do have goals. Where would you like to uh, go with your writing? No, I can't say I'm going to be the next Maya Angelou, but that is even one of my goals. That is one of them. I want to be the next Maya Angelou. I call myself the sister, Maya Angelou sister. <laughs> <laughs> because I love the way she speaks. And I want to uh, just encourage people that, um, you know, to do that. And as far as my goals, that is one of them. But I, I want to be successful, a successful writer. And I also write um, music. I write gospel rap, gospel music. Um, I write love songs. I'm just versatile. I, I just love to write. You just love to write. That's great. That's great. And, you know, our show is set up toward our young people, and we have young people that are very gifted and talented in writing and, and acting and performing. And we want them to be able to harness that gift and, and use it to the glory of God. And God will make them successful at it. Yeah, and, I, and I, I love when young people, especially in the church, when they get up and just do what they have to do. and just bless, You just bless everybody in the church. I just love it. I listen to more young people's stuff. I really do. And I love it because God using them from a baby on up. Just using young people. And I just love it. Oh, that's so, so true. Now, now uh, would you care to show, uh, share another piece of your poetry from your uh, Black Gumbo? Yes, sir. My brother Lewis, this is um, the one I call Black Gumbo. It goes like this. Black Gumbo. As unreal as it may seem, Black Gumbo is now a part of history. High stakes, orange alert danger. Who was a stranger in New Orleans when she arrived? On August the 29th, 2005. Now, because of this unwelcome stranger, who shook, shaped, and shimmed her way through our streets unauthorized. When she came in, she came in with a vengeance. She made more people cry. Some even died because of the black eyes and the black sky that left a hole in the heart of a city that once rumbled. But to me, it's a city I'll now call Black Gumble. Black as the night that skim across the wild blue yonder, Hmm, I wonder how black a night can be when it was day in reality. After her hard hits or right and left jabs that grabbed our attention, I don't want to fail to mention how she dismantled cars and houses alike. She even managed to turn off all the lights. Hurricane Katrina was the name of this stranger that stumbled on a city that once rumbled. But to me, it's a city I now call Black Gumbo. Oh, thank you, my sister, for sharing that with us. That's a very moving piece of poetry there. That's out of her. Uh, that's out of your book, Black Gumbo. Uh, yes. 
city of New Orleans there, uh, about New Orleans, brother. And this has been a great interview. This has been a great interview. And uh, before we let you go, we would just like to talk about your third book. Yes. Your third book that talks of, uh, and, uh, it's on the, uh, 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 the, the, our show is called Free on the Inside. So we had a freedom to do these things, you know. So we're going to bring that book on here also. And we thank you for sharing. We thank you for having the freedom to write this book because some people, they see the book and say, oh, how could you do this? How could you write that? But you know what? God gave you the freedom to write this. That's Amen. And, and, and go ahead and share that there with us, because I love the title of that. And you give us some, some thoughts that you uh, that help provoke you to write this book. Okay, now this uh, book, my recent book, is called A Soft Story About Eve. It was not an apple. I say, oh, my God, people are not going to believe this. But anyway, it was published by Publish America uh, in 2012. In this book, the prefix starts out by saying, the second paragraph, although the uh, subject of Eve is so widely spread in many religions and their views on this subject matter, I have chosen to state the facts from the King James Version of the Bible and a few of my own views on Eve. A short story about Eve is a study Bible book. It refers you to read some scriptures in Genesis along with the story. And when you read the back cover, um, remember reading, it reads as follows. It says, in the beginning, God. He created man, and out of man, he created woman. This woman was an ordinary woman with an extraordinary tact. The man's name was Adam. Adam looked upon his wife and named her Eve. Eve means the mother of all living. Their life in paradise was a life worth living, from life in paradise to life as we know it today. One bite from the tree of the forbidden fruit turned their lives upside down. But this forbidden fruit was an apple, was not an apple as we once thought. As you read the story, you will find out for yourself that this fruit was indeed the forbidden fruit. When you read this book, keep an open mind and an active imagination. Soon you will find that the facts are not fiction and the characters are real. Amen, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me some thoughts behind it as you wrote this book. I thought that was a challenge. <laughs> it, was it, it was. It, it was. I had um, when I when I first started writing a book, and I, uh, I definitely said before I can speak about Eve, I must first speak about Adam. Before I can speak about Adam, I must first speak about God. So in order for me to write this book, and, and I sit down and really just my second try at writing these. My first try didn't go so well because I was putting a lot of stuff in there. I said, no, I'm, I'm missing the meat. I'm missing the meat. I'm missing the meat. And I said, I have to go back and rewrite. And, and I started from God and then Adam. And then when I started with Eve, and then in the middle part of the book, I said, this is the meat. It was a dream that I had when I was reading Genesis. And this dream consists of the forbidden fruit. And I felt like when I was writing a story and God showed me in a vision that um, this fruit was indeed the forbidden fruit. And, uh, you know, you can just read it and just take it from there. And this, this happened to me just like I said. Now, this dream was a kind of dream 
uh, one would have when you might drift off to sleep or when you take a quick snooze. I would like to describe this dream for a moment. I saw a hand reaching for the fruit of a, on the tree. The hand was of a biblical statue. Well, I knew then in my dream I was not in America. And it goes on and on from there. And it tells you the next page of the forbidden fruit, what it was. And just for the record, I explained myself um, to make myself more clearly so people could understand where I'm coming from. All right. Uh, yes, I think it's going to be exciting reading. And you say it's also a study guide to go along with for anybody that have Bible studies and some uh, a setting like that that they can share this portion of a book. Now, Miss Vera, before we get you out there, we would love to find out where we can uh, purchase some of your writing and how we can keep up with you because we expect we uh, you know see that God is going to do some great things through you and through your writing. So please let us know how our listening audience and myself can pick up. Uh, point, uh, your books. Okay, to all of these books, you can visit publishamerica.com and click on the online bookstore or call 301-228-3853. That's 301-228-3853. And you can order it from there. All right. And, and, uh, and also that, uh, and they can also Google you, right? They can Google your name on uh, on Google. Yes, you could just Google Vera Squire book, and you could just order online. They had all kind of a uh, lot of um, bookstores online had picked it up, and you can order from there. I can't name them all. That's as much as you want to call Publish America, you can. But you can just Google my book online, say Vera Squire book, and. Ms. Vera, this has been a great interview. We want to thank you for coming on. But before we let you go, we'd like you to just give us a word of encouragement for our young people that have writing skills in them, but they just don't know if they can do it or not. What words of encouragement can you give someone that wants to do, uh, wants to be able to share their thoughts on paper? Well, first of all, um, if you want to share your thoughts on paper, get a good story. See if, hey, everybody needs to know this. You know, I want some people to know this story, you know. Like right now I'm reading a book called Excuse Be Gone by um, Dr. Wayne and, uh, let me see, Dr. Wayne Dwyer. And I'm almost finished the book. I just love reading. But get a good story of what people love to read or what people might want to know about. And this is how you get started in your writing. Uh, you first must know or have an idea of what you want to write or, or like to write about. After you write or written your work and it's done, type it, print it. And after you print your work, go to the office depot or FedEx and have it put in a binder. Where binder means like a manuscript. And you must put it in a manuscript, then you get a TX form from the library. It's the TX form. That's the copy in uh, written words, and submit it into the copyright office along with the payment, whatever that payment is. Uh, make three or more copies, one for yourself, one for the copyright, and then submit your your manuscript to different publishers and take it from there. Amen. That sounds great there. And you gave us a lot of information. We pray that, it, that our listening audience that uses information be successful. 
be successful. Cause that's what we want to do. We want to allow our young people the opportunity to be successful in the things that they endeavor, endeavor to do. But we want a godly success, not what the world can give, but we that's want it from true. God. Yes, and we want to, and we thank you. And you know, uh, and I will never uh, uh, end this show without telling you that this show is archived. You can always go back and listen to it again. Feel free to use it at your convenience. That'd be our gift to you. Oh, that's great. On, Thank you so much. That's on Blog Talk Radio forward slash Granny Place, and you can uh, copy and paste it and put it on your Facebook page or whatever you desire. Just listen to it from time to time. Encourage yourself. Okay. Yeah. And, and oh, I, I got I show go, go, go right ahead. I say I got sisters that write it, but I don't say they write God. I never hear the end of it. They write <laughs> too. They love it. They're preachers of roses. You got the book coming out soon next year. Um, my sister Gabriel Robinson, she writes gospel music, so they love to write. And Melody Robinson, they love to write. So he's a family of writers. Well, amen. So you're giving them a shout out. So the sisters, don't I get mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember the adventure, y'all, talents, you know. And we pray that maybe one day we can have them on there. Please feel free to, if you have anyone that would like to share their life experience and help someone else, because that's what this show is about. It, informing, encouraging, and challenging people to be all they could be. We talk to young and old, skilled and unskilled, but we talk about another thing, but just our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the gift that he gave each and every one of us to help mm-hmm. someone else. Yes, and your gift, the gift that you have is a blessing to someone else. Oh, thank you so much, Brother Lewis. I'm so encouraged. Well, God bless you. Continue to follow us and continue to uh Keep us up on what's going on. We would love for you to be a guest on our show at a later date if you have a desire to be. Oh, I will. Thank you so much. Well, God bless you. You have a great day. We're going to end this program, this portion of our interview. We have another guest coming on. So if you uh, just stay tuned and just uh, listen in and uh, be blessed today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Oh, what a great interview we had there from Ms. Vera Squire, uh, the author of two dynamic, three dynamic books, and as she was sharing with us, we pray that you have a sense that God is up to something in her life. And as she was sharing with us, Soul of Soul, the inspirational writing and Black Gumbo, uh, a history of, of Katrina here. Let me pull that up again here. And it says, uh, and one of her books is a short story about Eve and said it was not an apple, you know, and that's great reading and a beautiful cover on the book here. And and the other one is uh, Black Gumbo, New Orleans, The Healing of a City in Ruins. And she shared with us a couple of poems on there uh, out of her books, and it was a blessing. And we pray that you've been able to listen in and you've been uh, blessed by the by our interview. And you share this here episode with someone. Say, hey, man, I need you to hear something. Hey, I need y'all to hear something about this that never young writer that's coming on the scene here, and that she's gonna do great things. And who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe one day they turn one of her writing into a play and then to a movie. And you can say, I heard it first. So free on the inside. Amen. But. Now we're getting ready for our next guest to come on board here. We're going to give him a call, and we're going to switch gears here because we know this is the Christmas time. Yeah, we have a, a organization that's coming up here, uh, Police Officers for Christ, and we have a Mr. Robinson that's going to come on, and he's going to share. Uh, he's uh, he going to share some of his experience in uh, with dealing with our brothers and sisters that uh, uh, seem not to have enough to meet the, uh, their family needs, but we know that God is able, that God is able, and we're calling up Mr. Robinson right now, 
and we're going to see uh, what God is doing in that in that ministry. And he'll be on here shortly. And as we get ready to come on, we ask you to uh, please stay tuned. Good morning, Robert. Good morning uh, uh, Mr. Robson. You're on the net. This is Deacon Lewis. Hey. Good morning. Great. Good morning. Well, welcome to our show here. We would love for you to uh, introduce yourself and tell us about the ministry and which God have you working diligently in. My name is Arthur Lee Robertson. Um, I have uh, 20 years' experience as a law enforcement officer, and I'm a ordained minister, been pastor now for four years and uh, 22 years in ministry. Uh, I organize a a group of police officers called Police Officers of Christ, Christian police officers. And the job was to go out into the community and help our senior citizens, our youth, and anybody needing aid. We organize um, meetings where we assist senior citizens paying their rent, paying their light bill, and those kind of things. The Police Officers of Christ organization ended up with over 200 Christian police officers and this organization was established some 26 years ago. And we're still in effect as of today. We have a Christmas program that we've been doing for 16 years. Uh, well, we give our uh, toys to the families. Uh, our Father Toys for Tarts uh, program, we're one of the distributors. General Gosham is the commander over that program. Uh, we do Bible classes. We help pay senior citizens rent. If there's a light bill problem, we assist that. Um, the officers now uh, consist of no more than 12 of us left out of 150. The rest of them retired and went to their perspective, back to the location of their homes. But God has been good, and uh, he's just a blessing, and we all learn to trust in him. And our motto of always being good, better, best. Never let it rest until good is better and better is best. And that's our motto. We stand by those words, and that's our goals in helping other people. Amen. Well, thank you. Now, how long have you been uh, helping them with the uh, toys for the holidays at portion of the ministry? It's been, this will be my 17th year. 17 years. Yeah, and you know, after 17 years, you see the need hadn't changed very much, have it? Uh, no, it hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, it's gotten worse. And if you look at this economy today, uh, it's getting worse. And, and you know, and children don't understand that why mom and dad can't go out and get them what they need for Christmas. And then when they see other children get things that they're not getting and better things, it, it kind of knocked their morale down. So what we do and what the organization uh, is called to do is to help these children, help this family lift that morale back up to that family so that our family can be back on a solid foundation, not only just the giving up toys and, and food and paying light bills, but also stripping their uh, religious background, their moral background, their spiritual background, so that when they get up to our age from children to adulthood, they got a real good background, a solid wall that they can be able to stand with difficulties coming to their lives. And that is so true, because we see that 
the uh, moral decay of our young people and our older people. Because as I do juvenile ministry, I see, I see a lot of young men and women that are hurt because of things that happened in their past. And maybe by what you're doing with the uh, police officer for Christ, it's kind of plugging in those gaps and those and kind of uh, helping and help healing those those damaged areas in the life of a young person. You know, to let them know that someone cares about them. And that and that's true. And you know, uh, most children these days that always have been have looked at police officers as being villains. They don't they don't can't relate that with the real crooks in the world. They look at a police officer because the right tickets and we end up fighting the uh, villains and, and put them in jail and, and, and uh, they don't look at what we really do. They don't understand that we're here to protect them. We risk our lives every day. The officer risk their lives every day for the community and for the citizens and citizens of this world. And our chief of police, police staff, uh, uh, is doing such a great job. And, and the minister needs things and he needs officers out. Do a lot of community work now and doing a lot of other things. But our the police officer organization, uh, we only down to four officers. The rest of them out of 150 have retired. Uh, several of them have passed away. Uh, a lot of them have gone back to respective homes. So, but we have four original police officers, Christ officers, that are still working in the community. Now, uh, uh, Mr. Robinson, tell me now, uh, how do you go about uh, uh, selecting the families that are in need? You know, just for just for sake, just so our listening audience know, hey, how I can get involved in programs similar to yours, because we know that there's a selection process and a, and a, a registration process. That's that's correct. What we normally do, the officers out there in the field now, the officers is working every day in their uniform, they're risking their lives. They go answer a call, they may get a disturbance call where uh, uh, um, uh, someone had broken someone's house or anything, maybe a family's house. And when they go to this house and they look and they see the children, they're not properly dressed or they're not, uh, can't afford uh, food like they, nourishing food that every other child may have. They notice the light bill, the lights is off and it's cold in the house, no running water. Well, they uh, write down this address and they put it, they note it and they put it in our book so that what we do then, we'll start finding funds for them. And then we know that they have children, and we'll put them on a list that we have so that Christmas time that we'll be able to uh, to help them with Christmas. But there's four major holidays that, that we take care of. That's Father's Day, Mother's Day, and there's children that uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas that we mostly uh, do. We, we, we don't do Easter for several reasons. We don't try to associate uh Jesus with eggs. So uh well that's the only uh, holiday that we don't really uh fans of doing anything for for anyone. Uh, I understand. And you know, you said something a while ago that you said that you or do uh, y'all ministry and your program works all year long, and that's great. And that's great to know that because sometimes people just associate helping people doing the, uh, uh, you know, just doing Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then there's other months that people are in need of uh, a substance and need of help. And I thank God for your, you and your ministry, along with other ministries that's doing the same thing that that see that need that it just isn't just two times a year. Right. 
And, and see, you can't put a, a calendar on doing Christian work. You can't say, well, I'm only just going to be a Christian in June and July. You can't do that. Uh, uh, Christianity is a full-time job, seven days a week, 30 days a month, 366 days a year. Uh, that's, that's what it's about. We don't, we don't choose our terrain on how we go to fight. We just go into the battle and do what we can with what we have when it's time to do what we have to do. Oh, that is so true. That is so true. Now, Ms. Ross, I know you've been doing this here for a number of years. Well, what makes you keep doing what you're doing? And I know I talk to you uh, throughout the year, and you uh, uh, express to me that your desire to keep doing, but you know, because time brings about a change, but you keep doing it year after year. What keeps you doing what you do in spite of what people say, in spite of what's going on? Cause I know it gets to be hectic year after year. Well, yeah, you know what I go through uh, with this and uh, and all the officers there, too, and the community. But it's just the, the thing that um, that was instilled in me from a child that, you know, we need to learn to help one another. And because one person is up, you don't kick the person down. What you do, you, let, you stretch your hand out there and pull that person that is down and lift them up, not knowing that one day, you may fall, and that person that is standing in can lift, lift, you know, reach down and pick you up and help you up. And that's what life is about. You don't know what what you're going to run into in life, who you're going to run into with. But if you live a Christian life, if you do what the Word of God says, to love your fellow man, to help him whenever you can, your time is going to come that you may fall in those same times temptations and those downfalls, and you want someone to help you. Now, you know, the strange thing, people pray and say, Jesus, come down. I need you right now. And Jesus is not going to come down here and visit your house to do what you have to do what needs to be done. But what he's going to do, he's going to use his soldiers in the army. He dispatches his anger. He dispatches people, his brothers, our brothers and our sisters, to go out and do that very same thing. That God had instructed us and trained us to do already. So that's all it is. All we're doing is helping uh, and keeping our brothers and sisters in check, make sure they're all right, uh, do unto others as you wish them to do unto you. If you're hungry and you want some food, well, that same person out there is hungry. They want the same thing. So why don't you do that when look at that person, put yourself in that person's uh, place, and ask. What do you need done? What would I want someone to do for me? What do I need? And what I need to do to accomplish to my goals? And then with those things in mind, the only thing you're doing is strengthen what the Bible says. You're stressing your brother. And that's what it's about. Hey, man. Hey. Mr. Robinson, hold on just a second. We got a call on the line. We're going to bring them in. Yeah, we're going to bring them in just a moment here and see what they have to say. Good morning. You're on the net. Uh, good morning. My, my name is Sal from New York City. And, yes, sir. Uh, Welcome to our weekly internet program. Uh, thank you for having me, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. Um, uh, so you, you're talking about prison ministries? Is that? Uh, yes, we do. We are talking about right now. We have our guest on, Mr. Robinson from the Police Officer for Christ. They were just sharing they uh, uh, uh they ministry with us about how they support the needs of our. Uh, men and women and families that's uh, trying to struggle through this Christmas holiday. 
Well, what a wonderful blessing you gentlemen are, particularly to be police officers. I always encourage people in our community not to look at police as being the enemy or an occupying force, you know, because, listen, we, they're human beings just like us, and if we reach out to them, you, you'll be surprised <laughs> at how they'll respond to individual police officers, you know. But um, I, I just want to share quickly, you know, I was involved in, Years ago in Isaiah 51 Ministries, it was like a prison ministry. We would go into prisons and give our testimony. I was involved in, uh, what's it, the Victory Outreach Ministry, which was uh, mostly substance abusers and all field times. A lot of people who had also been involved in uh, ex-cons and trying to uh, transition back into society after leaving prison. And, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's, it's very important, uh, gentlemen, what you're doing, and, and I think... Um, uh, you know, Jesus came to set the captives free, you know, and, you know, we, we live in a society that doesn't forgive. I always thought that it's really rather, if we, you know, we, we, you know we're, we're believers and we talk about, um, uh, we refer to scriptures, but I look at also the society which we live in talks about cruel, the Constitution, is, is, it's, which supposedly is based on the Bible. It talks about not subjecting people to cruel and unusual punishment. This society is like a scarlet leopard, and once you leave the prison, you're stigmatized for the rest of your life, even though you've paid your debt to society. God is forgiving, you know, 70 times 7, but the society doesn't forgive. Which hey, is, man. You know, let, let, yeah, let, yeah. Me, let me ask something. I, have, I met a young man. I was doing security. I had a young man. His name is uh, uh, Minister David Bailey. He got his... Uh, License while he was in prison. He was falsely incarcerated for 20, 30 some odd years, I think it was. And he got out, and I met him while I was working in security. And when he walked through the door, him and I related. Now he's in my church. He's one of our associate ministers in my church. And you need to hear his testimony about that prison system and how that those young men that are incarcerated still have the opportunity. God said, in the ministry, people that change their lives while they're there, and God equipped them to teach those that are still in prison so that when they get out, they already have a foundation to go find another church to get involved with and work in the community. I think that's great. We need to use these our young men, older men that is coming out of this prison, and need to connect them with these young people, let them know what this thing is like, because these young people don't think that prison is real. They gotta, they, they, they feel like they can do what they want to do. But when their livelihood is taken from them, they've been incarcerated, they have involved. They need to listen to somebody else that know that feeling and know what what it's like being behind those balls and their freedom taken away from them. That's a good ministry what you're doing. I, I thank you much for that. Hey, Sal, i tell you what, I would love to be able to talk to you a little bit more offline, man. You have a great comment there, and we would like to bring you on as a guest, Tara, because I'm familiar with Victory Outreach here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I was a part of that ministry at one <laughs> yes, time, and, uh-huh. and I know just the name alone is, you know, is to bring joy to me knowing that God is the same here in Dallas as he is in New York. <laughs> Amen. Yes, yeah, man. And, and, and so I ask you, uh, we want to finish this uh, interview that we have right now. We got a few more minutes on online, so we'd love for you to hold on and listen. And I want to talk to you offline, okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Thank Sounds you for uh, 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 tuning into our show. We're going to bring our guest in and let him wrap it up, and then I'm going to get back with you. Just hold on now. All right, uh, Mr. Robinson. Yes. Yeah, thank you, sir. That was a call out from New York. So we, so guess what? Someone is listening. A lot of people are listening. Well, you know, that's why we're yeah, they that. well, God don't do anything that uh, that uh, go out and it come back void. So uh, we want to thank far, our guests for calling in. And we have many guests that's on the line here, and that a lot of them just chose just just choose just to listen. But Mr. Robinson, we only have a few more minutes here uh, before we sign off the air. Now, as our young people, could you express to us the joy that they get after they receive these gifts? Because, you know, it's something that you really can't express, explain or express, but do it to the best of your ability, how, how the young people face lights up. I've seen families that has nothing, children has nothing, and when they receive these gifts, these toys, it's like a new day in their life. They begin to realize that they have helped outside that home, and that's what these children need to know. That they, when they get leave their home, there's people out there that is not living under the same roof with them that is helping them. And those Marines uh, that is doing this great work, they are opening doors for many young people, black, white, Hispanic, whatever it may be. They help them open up doors and eyes to children that didn't have nothing to help them realize that there's somebody. God always have a ram in a push that when you've been incarcerated, you've been denied, when you don't have, God can give and set free those that have been prisoned. God is just so merciful and good. There's nothing he cannot do, and everything he does is good. And we need to realize that God don't make no mistakes. In our Amen. lives, we may think we are, we're going through bad times and we shouldn't be here. It's for a reason. It's for a reason. And if you realize what that is and you go through that test, you will understand that the only person that brought you in it and brought you out of it is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Mr. Robinson, this has been a great interview. And this isn't your first time, Ben. You were with us last year, so we know that you're continually to uh uh, 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 lift up the name of our Lord and say Jesus Christ, and meet the needs of our uh, young men and women and families that are uh, that are seem to be at a difficult time in they, at this point in their life. And so we want to mm-hmm. thank you, and as always, we would love for you to come back and be a guest to give us a follow up. Uh, maybe Anytime. not at Christmas, but just let us know what's going on in the ministry of the Police Officer for Christ. It's a great organization, a great ministry. Let me know anytime I, we can be a help, just to see you. And, and I right, like go- to say this, yeah. Uh, Mr. Ron Flanagan is the vice president of this group. Um, he's, he's been sick lately here, and I want everybody to pray for him and uh, that he recover well. All right. God bless you. We will keep him in our prayers. And you have a okay. blessed day, and we'll be talking later. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, what a great interview we had there from Mr. Robinson. But before we get off the air, we want to bring in our guest here from New York, uh, Sal. We want him to just share a few things. Sal, you there? <clears throat> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you, brother, for uh, tuning in to our weekly Internet program. Now, tell us now, are you actually involved in ministry up in your home state? Uh, currently, I'm not. I'm just a yellow taxi driver, very busy. I guess I minister on, on an individual basis, but not in an organized uh, ministry like I had been years ago. Hello? Hello? 
Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? can't hear you if you're talking i can't hear you i heard that you unmuted my the mic for me to speak but i can't hear you at all wow oh my goodness Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? 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 Yes. Hello? Yes. Hello? Yes, I I was talking with a gentleman. Seems like we were cut off and I called back and uh I don't know what happened. My well, name is Sal. The, oh, okay. You got the wrong number, huh? Oh. Person at extension seven one eight five six six three seven four six is not available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Recording stopped. We're going to go ahead. The person at extension 718566 is not available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. We're going to go ahead and end it now. But looking forward to you being with us next week for another great time here as we talk about how good God's been to us. Amen. And continue to follow the program to make yourself useful in the kingdom. I'm closing out right now with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your word. We thank you, Lord. 
We ask we end this program, but uh, and but never out of your presence. We ask you to watch over us, keep us in your keeping power until we come together once again and lift up the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You're listening to another great episode of Prayer on the Inside Ministry. Uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, and we'll talk with you next. Amen.